Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 249, and it is titled A Woman's Experience Dealing with Men's Sexual Dysfunction with Stephanie Ganowski. So, this time it's going to be a little bit different. I did a show not too long ago uh, called uh, Penis Problems, Penis Solutions, where I talked a lot about the different types of sexual dysfunction that men can experience. And then, of course, solutions for how to deal with those. But those were really from more of a sort of clinical perspective, like here's the problem and here are the solutions for the problem. What I want to talk about today and the reason why I have a guest on today is you know, when we talk about men's sexual dysfunction, we almost always talk about it from the point of view of the man, what he's experiencing, what he can do about it. And what we rarely ever talk about is the perspective of the woman that he's with. And so that's what I think is going to be really interesting to talk about today, because there's two things. There's one, how a woman reacts to a man experiencing sexual dysfunction definitely affects how he feels about it and what he does about it to to change it. But there's also ways in which a woman can support a man. And I don't just mean emotionally, but like physically in the moment, how she can support him if he is experiencing sexual dysfunction. And I think too often we tend to look at something like sexual dysfunction as it, well, it's just, it's his problem. He needs to deal with it. And anytime we're coming together in, you know, sex, it's a co-creation and both people have a role to be played in that. And so that's really what I want to get into today. And what's going to be fun about it is my guest has agreed to talk about her own personal experiences with this. Uh, So I think that's going to be really, really fun. Uh, But before we do that, Got to read an ad from our first sponsor. Do you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed? Then check out Power and Mastery. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. That is the men's sexual mastery course that Celine and I created. It is fantastic. We get great feedback. If you are experiencing any of the problems uh, that we're going to talk about today, Uh, and you'd like to do a at-home study, self-paced way of dealing with that, then check out powerandmastery.com. Okay, so my guest today is Stephanie Ganowski. Stephanie is a clinical sexologist and host of the What I Love About Sex podcast, who has been working with men for over five years in the sex and relationship space. She specializes in helping men overcome dick-related issues such as premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, as well as teaching men how to be effective communicators in their sex lives. Her goal is to take the pressure out of sex and put the pleasure back in. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. I love in your bio how you say helping men overcome dick issues. I I love the fact that you (laughs) use that word. Um, Because they use that word with me most. Yeah. My audience, you know. So So many people like um, uh, Larry Flint, the famous hustler guy, you know, he was famous for saying, just relax, it's just sex, right? And so many people Mm -hmm. take sex so seriously and they have to use the clinical terms and like all of that stuff. And, you know, my wife too, when she was alive, she would be throwing out dick and pussy and cock all over the place. You know, people would be like, oh, we're not, we thought we, I thought we were talking about penises and vaginas. <laughs> I thought we were professional here. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So I love that you have that in there. It's fun. It is. Plus, I get that feedback all the time. I get a lot of guys who say the reason why I reached out to you is because you approach it in like a cool, relaxed way. Like you even use the word like dick and cock. And I'll hear that all the time. Like guys are saying I felt comfortable coming to you because it didn't feel so clinical. So I I take pride in doing that and I'm going to continue doing that for that reason. I think it speaks to a lot of people. Awesome. I love it. All right. Let's dive in. So Again, as I stated in the intro, what we want to do here is talk about men's sexual dysfunction. One, it's a big topic. Two, it's something that you and I both specialize in helping men with, so there's a lot that we can share. 
But what's interesting about you is, you know, when we talked about uh, doing this show together, I said, well, you know, I talk about those things a lot. But what I've never talked about was what it's like from the female perspective. And so you indicated that you have actually had some partners who did experience sexual dysfunction in one way or another. So I want to explore a little bit of that. And I want to start with premature ejaculation, because I know that you dated somebody, or actually, as you put it in the pre-interview, you had a fuck buddy for seven years (laughs) who had premature ejaculation. So I want to know, first of all, if you could just explain to the audience what that experience was like. So, you know, you can... You can answer that however you want, but maybe start from the beginning. Like, what happened the first time that you realized that he had premature ejaculation? How did you handle that situation? Mm -hmm. So the very, if I can remember to the very first time it happened, I kind of just took it as a, oh, okay. Like, there was a lot of excitement leading up to this moment because we were having sex for the first time and we had been so flirtatious before that. So I just took it as a, I must, that must just be a first time thing where it's just, it was so exciting leading up to this. And I just went with it. Um, didn't think twice about it. Honestly, I just, that was my only thought. Um, and then the next time it happened again and it happened again and then it happened again. And then I like, I just noticed the pattern of it. And I was like, okay, well, it's, it doesn't seem to be a big deal to him. Like I never, ever brought it up. Like we never even discussed it, even though it happened every single time. And the reason why we didn't was number one, because he had a very short refractory period. So not all guys do, but he was able to, um, he would ejaculate within, I don't know, one to two minutes starting penetration. And then, um, we would, he would fool around with me and pay more attention to me. And then we would get back and he would get his direction back and then be able to come again at a later time. So that's not, you know, all guys with PE obviously, but this was his personal case scenario. Um, and that's why I never felt, I think that's why I never felt the need to ever bring it up in conversation. But when it did happen, he would make a joke about it occasionally and just be like, Oh, there he goes. Like, couldn't like, you just look so fucking hot today. And it was just, and I'd be like, ah, I know I do. And like, we would like laugh it off. And I would only partake in the joke if he started the joke. Otherwise I just brushed it off. Cause I'm like, he was so confident. Our relationship was so like strong and, and good. And we were really good friends. So plus his refractory period was short. So it was never, it never became an issue where it would have to be talked about according to how I felt anyway. And I, it's funny because I never even thought of him as having premature ejaculation until I started this work, which was years later. And then I was like, oh my God, like he had PE every single time. And it just goes to show that because of his, his confidence, because of his short refractory period, and because of his willingness to uh, react to it in a lighthearted way, all just made it a non-issue. And there was never, I never sensed any type of like anxiety, any type of pressure. It was literally just something that would happen. And then we just moved on. That's interesting. Well, so you were very lucky that he had a short refractory period, which is not always the case for men, especially as they get older. Uh, Mm -hmm. It tends to be, I mean, I can remember being in high school, I had a girlfriend and, you know, we would go home after school and we'd have sex five or six times in a row and ejaculate every time. But there was like basically no refractory period, right? That Mm -hmm. is not the same at this age, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, definitely changes. We were young back then too. So of course the beauty was more likely. (laughs) <laughs> right. But the beauty with age is now I go as long as I want. And I don't really care about it. So I don't need to worry about a refractory period. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I guess the point that I'm getting at here with that is that, well, two things. One, it wasn't necessarily an issue because of the short refractory period. But mm-hmm. two, that you didn't actually really ever think of it as PE. And I think that's an important point Uh, that the men listening to this should take away from this, that you might be putting more pressure on yourself than the woman actually is. Now, what's interesting is 
you know, there's been a couple of studies done on um, how long men last. Uh, they haven't done any recent ones, but the two major ones that were done in the past said that on average, uh, one said, study said men last three to five minutes, the other said five to seven minutes. Um, clinically, the definition of premature ejaculation is under a minute. It's like literally if you ejaculate in under a minute, they consider that you have premature ejaculation. So if he was going two or three minutes of penetration, he's actually kind of almost right in that sort of what they call average uh, amount of time. It was so, more like one to two. Yeah, right. it was definitely. All right, so he's he's it was pretty soon. Not yeah. quite clinically defined, but but pretty, <laughs> pretty short. So the point is, I kind of just want to reframe for men what it really means. Now, you know, my wife and I doing the work that we do and having done it for a long time, we always defined premature ejaculation as ejaculating any time prior to when you wanted to, right? So we put a very different reframe on that. So while a lot of women, let's say you can make it five minutes, a lot of women would probably be like, okay, well, it's kind of the same as all the other men I've had. But imagine if you could go a solid hour or more you're going to blow her mind, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. when all the other guys are only lasting five minutes. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that particular experience. Uh, so you, you never really realized it until you started doing the work. He kind of laughed it off and made some jokes about it and blah, blah, blah. Did it ever change throughout the course of the seven years that you were together? It was... It was on and off. So with him being my, my fuck buddy, it was like, we would date people seriously. And then when we weren't dating, we would end up together. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, so that was the whole seven years thing. And like going back to, it was the same, like it never, nothing ever changed. Um, but I will add that he was very, he had very advanced oral skills mm -hmm. and he would pay attention to that. Like he was really good at just, doing his thing down there. And I think that also made me really excited to be with him sexually because I knew that I was going to be satisfied in the best way that my body feels satisfied. So it really, for me, it wasn't so much about the penetration as it was, um, his, his tongue being on me, you know, like that was the best. And he was like one of the best I've ever had doing that. So it was still very exciting to be with him. I thought he was super sexy. Like I was so into him. We had so much fun. He was so funny. And like, we just had all these jokes together. Um, we were very attracted to each other. So there were all these other pieces that just made that, um, overall it was his confidence and his ability to know what I needed most and to deliver on that. Mm. And I think that's really what, you know, made it such a great experience worth going back to again and again. So I mean, guys, if you're listening, man, she just gave you a lot of important information, which is that, okay, so if, if you aren't that skilled at lasting long, then there are other things that you can do. And for some women, that will be enough. That will literally be enough to keep them satisfied. And that's really important. The other thing that you said was you mentioned, and you've said this a couple of times, his confidence, the way he approached the situation. So I think what happens for a lot of guys is when they do premature ejaculate, they lose a lot of confidence in the moment. They feel mm -hmm. kind of defeated. They feel less of a man. And that completely affects the rest of their performance and anything else that might happen during that particular lovemaking session. So I think those are two really important parts. Like if you know you struggle with lasting long, then you better make sure at least that you're good at some other things. <laughs> But, mm -hmm. then, but then also have confidence, like approach the whole situation with a certain confidence, like, hey, okay, yeah, I know I didn't last that long, but I'm going to take you there another way. And then when my refractory period is over, I'm going to dive back in again. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you been with any other men other than this particular one that we're talking about where you've experienced uh, PE? Um, I definitely have... Um, not that I really have good recollection of, um, I just know there's been experiences where I'm like, oh yeah, he didn't last very long, but like it was, it never felt, even when I wasn't mature or it wasn't, I wasn't at this age in this profession where I do have a higher sense of empathy, I would say for guys in this situation. Um, even when I was in my more 
immature state. I never like judged it. And I think it's important for guys to know that like not all women are going to judge you and look down on you or look look at you like you're less masculine or you're less attractive. Like, because even the guys I, I I had experiences with that maybe were like one-time things, like it was more just like, okay, like, yeah, he didn't, if I was to explain the sex, like he didn't last very long, um, but we did, we did this and then it ended up like this. Like, I don't have like an emotional attachment to like, oh, he like, he couldn't even last. Like, it's not judgmental at all. And I never was. So I, I know there's a lot of guys listening who are probably like, okay, well, maybe she's not judgmental, but I've had women say things to me that were really hurtful, like in the moment where they just call it out and make fun of them. And there is that too, like that exists, right? We can't just ignore the fact that there are women out there, but for, for guys in this predicament, if you've had stories of your past where this has happened, I think it's important to just know that there are women out there like me, plenty of them who can, who handle it like, and don't judge it. And it's just, it's not that big of a deal. And, um, and you can't let those stories get the best of you. And those women who, who react that way, that's their own insecurities talking. It's not, you know, it's as much as it feels like it's about you. It's not about you. Those reactions. Yeah. And that, that's a fantastic point to make. And, you know, I mean, I, I've heard stories from men where women literally like, they literally kind of like went, <laughs> like burst out laughing yeah. a little bit when it happened. And, you know, my audience, while it is a lot of men listening, there are women listening as well. And so, you know, if you are a woman and you're listening to mm -hmm. this, I think another good point to take away is if you end up in that experience, how you handle it is important. And I think that the way that you handled it um, is, is kind of a model for the way other women should handle it. In other words, you know, don't have a negative reaction. Don't make fun of them. Don't laugh at them. You know, don't crack jokes about it. Like just say, okay. And then, you know, find other ways to move on. Or, you know, if it's really a problem for you, then, you know, that's when you need to maybe have those uh, discussions that you should be able to have in any, you know, good relationship where you have good communication where you sit down and say, okay, this isn't working for me. How can we work with this? Right. And, and change it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's great stuff. Um, you kind of already answered this already, but just to restate it slightly differently. So being a woman, having personal experience with this, if you could tell men like, you got a bunch of men sitting in front of you who all have PE and you want to give them one piece of advice from the women's uh, perspective. What is the one thing that you would want to tell men who are experiencing PE? Confidence, like really learn how to own who you are to the point where you don't allow people's negative commentary to affect you. And it doesn't mean that you can't ever get hurt because even confident people get hurt, right? Like if you're confident and you're made fun of for something you feel a little insecurity around, it's going to emotionally hurt you, but we don't want it to get to the point where you're dwelling on it and it's, it's affecting your future decisions or your future experiences. So to become that man who knows what value he brings to a sexual relationship and lead with the value you bring. Don't lead with the anxiety of what if this happens? What if she's turned off? Because it's not all about her. And when you get the thought of I'm trying to impress her out of your head, you're going to go in with how can we have fun together? You know, what can we do to make this a really sexy experience? You start thinking more in terms of, you know, how, how you mentioned, um, Kevin, that it's like, a, I forget what you said exactly, but like a co, I always say like a team effort, but that feels so not like sexual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a co-creation. It's a dance. Co-creation. Really. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's all about the co-creation. It's not about just pleasing her, trying to impress her. And I feel like the more men have the mindset of, I have to impress her. I have to not disappoint her. The more anxiety comes with that. The more pressure comes with that. The more pressure equals the more tension, which is more likely to experience PE. Um, so to go in with that, that state of mind where you're relaxed and you know who you are and you know that if something happens, you'll know how to react to it. That's going to just put you the best, make you react the best and feel the best in every sex scenario you encounter.
Yeah, absolutely. And there were, again, some more really good uh, bits of information in there about uh, the increased pressure and how that can potentially create PE. Um, uh, just, yeah, all... I don't, I don't have it all exactly in my head the way that you just said it, but it was really, really good the way you kind of laid out how you put pressure on yourself and how you need to just relax and the, the things that men tend to do in those situations, like, oh, I got to please her and, and, and the pressure that they create actually creates the very thing that they don't want. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, you know, um, my, my wife, before we were together, she used to have, uh, this, I don't know if you'd call it really a rule, but she basically, because she had been with enough men who the first time or first few times that they made love, they did that. They put all that pressure on themselves, right? And then they wouldn't perform well. And so she happened to be, uh, with someone who turned out to be a long-term partner, but when they first got together, he actually said to her, Give me five times. Give me five times to be together for us to like really get in sync and for me to really get comfortable with you. And then, you know, if I'm not satisfying you, let me know. And at the time she was like, this kind of sounds like a lie, you know, but but she went ahead with it. Right. And, uh, and it turns out that after the first couple of times, it did get a lot better. And so she kind of learned from that experience that, yeah, guys will do that a lot. They'll put a lot of pressure on themselves and they'll create a lot of anxiety and they won't perform that well until they get more comfortable with you. So again, for the ladies listening out there, maybe that's something that you might want to use, right? It's to say, hey, when you're with somebody new, give it a couple of chances to see if it improves and see if he gets comfortable and and calms down. Now, in your case, you were like, it happened, then it happened again, and then again, and then again, and it didn't improve, but there were other things there that that worked out, so. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I love that advice. Um. What would you say is the most common cause of PE? Because we've talked about a few different potential causes for it. What would you say in your experience working with men is the most common cause? The most common cause in my experience is the fact that men, pretty much what I said, like put the pressure on themselves and they're so stuck in their heads and they're so stuck in their past stories that they allow the past stories to dictate dictate their future. And it's just, you know, they have this, this experience that they dwell on and they're so afraid that it's going to happen again, that they go into sexual experiences feeling that way. And then it does happen again. And then they just prove themselves right and keep that story proving them right. So it's like this messed up, you know, belief structure, um, that instead of rerouting it to, to have new experiences, they just keep repeating the old ones. Um, and they're very, you know, stuck in their head and they lack presence. So that's, that's what goes on at the same time. If you're so stuck in your head thinking about what could happen, or I hope this doesn't happen, or what is she thinking right now, then you're not actually in the moment. And it just comes across very either awkward to women, the woman you're with, it comes across like tense to the woman you're with. Like she just feels like something's off. Um, and sometimes she doesn't even know what's really like, it's just, sometimes it's just this innate feeling of like something was just off with him. You know, it's not even just about the PE. Sometimes it's just like, there was something off because I know like as a woman, if I, when I felt like I wasn't connected to the man I was having sex with, like he wasn't there with me. I just felt like I was used for sex. Like I just felt like this sex toy that like, it wasn't an emotional experience. It wasn't a connection. It was just like something that happened and it felt very empty. And then I didn't want to have sex with that person again, because that's not the feeling you go into, you know, having a great sex experience with. So, um, so yeah, I would say the, the lack of presence be due to the fact they're so stuck in their head. Yeah, that presence piece is absolutely huge. It's one of the things in the, you know, I did the commercial at the beginning for the Powered Mastery series. And in the sexual mastery portion of that, that's one of the big things that we talk about is how to really truly be present in that moment. Because a woman will sense that immediately. When you're not present, she absolutely knows it. She may not phrase it such that, oh, he's not being present with me. Some will. 
Some will say, oh, he's really not present with me. Some will, will do exactly what you just said and be like, there was just something off. I'm not, I'm not sure what it was. But what it is, what she's sensing is he's not fully present with her. And if he's not fully present with her, she's never going to fully open up to him in that moment. And the sex is never going to be as good for either of them as it really could be if you were really, truly, deeply connected. So that's a huge piece, whether you're dealing with PE or you just want to have amazing lovemaking, that that idea that you need to really be present in the moment is huge, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I, and, and there are a lot of guys out there I know who are like, all right, everyone says be present. What does that mean? Like, what the fuck does, pre- like, explain it to me. <laughs> like, they get very frustrated. Like, what does that even mean? And a, a trick or an exercise I, I tell guys to use is just focusing on a different sense, either one or two senses during sex, whether it's like, just focus on the noises that you're hearing whenever you find yourself drifting off and getting stuck in your head, like go back to what you're, what you're seeing and focus on everything you're seeing and what you, what's arousing you based on your sight or go to, go to your hearing. Like, what are you hearing? That's really arousing you and turning you on like, and connect with one of your senses. And it it does a really beautiful job of just bringing you right back to that moment. And it's something that you could do like very, very quickly. Yeah. That that's a great exercise. I mean, I get that some men don't really understand what it means to be present. And at the same time, I just sometimes shake my head and I go, look, okay, to be really present, are you noticing the color in her cheeks? Are you noticing her labia are swollen? Do you have a concept of even what time is? Like in great lovemaking, time doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. When you're done and you're laying there and you're cuddling and you look at the clock and you go, oh, wow, holy shit, I can't believe it's been that long because you had no concept of the time. That means you were present. If you know every noise that happened outside the room and you know exactly what time it was and how long you were doing it and all that stuff, that means you weren't really focusing on what you were doing in that moment. You were too distracted by all the other things going on. So mm. it's not, not that difficult to understand what it means to really be present. And yet so many people in our society don't. And I think a lot of it has to do with the current crazy modern society with all its distractions that we all live in. But that's a whole... Exactly. Yeah. Too many distract... Like our minds are just being programmed to like find something else, find something else, like distract. Absolutely. That We could do a whole show on that alone. However, (laughs) we are here to talk about sexual dysfunction. And I'm curious... Have you ever been with a man who experienced delayed ejaculation? Yes. Yes, I have. And the man I experienced that with, I was romantically dating, like Mm -hmm. seriously dating. So, um, so that was, yeah. Do you want to ask a specific question? so So now that we've established you have been like, now I'm curious, how did that show up? Like, how did you notice it? Did you have a conversation about it? And then I want to know, um, did you do something to address it? Like, how did you handle it in the context of your relationship? Mm -hmm. Well, this one was definitely different because, um, because it was, it started out with blowjobs not being effective, meaning I couldn't get him to come, which I took pride in my blowjobs. Like this <laughs> like an, any woman this should. An ego. <laughs> I, know. I know, right? And this is an ego hit for me because I was like, wait, I know I'm good at this. <laughs> I have a really good history with this. And um, and that was kind of like a shock where I'm like, why isn't this like working? And um, so so that made me feel insecure to the point where I didn't address it because of my own insecurity. And then I realized, all right, this is not going to solve it. Like, because then it started happening during penetration. Um, and I was like, I need to bring this up. Like, this has to be a conversation because I actually care about this person and I see a long-term potential with this person. So it's silly, like put the ego aside and just go and talk to him about it. And, um, and I did that. And I I said, what do you think it could be? And it was interesting because I was trying not to, um, create pressure around the conversation. So I was like very aware that like, 
Um, cause in my head, I'm like, what if having this conversation puts, puts more pressure and then makes it even harder for him to come. And like, I didn't want that. So I was like, okay, how do I address this perfectly? And I'm like, there's no perfect way. Let me just go talk and just say what's like on my mind and ask what I could use in terms of, you know, information from him to, to make it more pleasurable for him. Maybe it wasn't pleasurable enough for him. And it was just all about me. Um, so if I know anything about DE, that's usually the main cause is guys struggling with DE are putting all the focus on her pleasure and they really don't know what they want and they don't prioritize what they want. So because they don't prioritize what they want, um, it's kind of like this, they just put themselves in this place where they don't know their body and they don't realize maybe their body changed and gets aroused by different things now, but they're not connected to that self state of arousal. They're just all about her. Um, so I help guys with DE to focus more on like what makes them really aroused and how can they communicate that to their partner so that it's about them just as much as it is about her. Um, so that's essentially what I did with this partner. And I, I asked him if there was anything that he want me to, wanted me to do differently or it was there anything that was turning him off that maybe turned me on that he wasn't used to. And turns out there were some things that he was a little intimidated by because I introduced things that he was not used to. And there was this little intimidation factor. Oh, like what? Come on, you got to give us an example. <laughs> <laughs> um, just like some... Like certain toys, like gags and like a leash, you know, like some kinky toys that were just, he was not used to that. So he was just thrown off by the concept of like, oh shit, this is what she's into. This isn't what I do. Like, is she going to like the sex that I'm used to? You know, so we had a conversation about, uh, about that because he pointed out that I was bringing in a lot of kink and it was at the time when I was studying kink. So I think because I was studying it, I was all excited and I wanted to try all this stuff. And I wasn't thinking about, about like what it felt for my partner to all of a sudden bring all this stuff into our sex life that wasn't there like a week ago. And now all of a sudden we're like trying like 10 different things and he's never tried any of them. So it's just like, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just threw off like his certainty of, you know, where we were sexually and he didn't feel present to me. And he admitted that, that he lost presence and he didn't feel like I was present. And I was like, wow, really? So then we had to talk about that. Um, and then it just became, I even asked him like, what really turns you on? Like, what things would you like us to do? And he had a hard time giving me specific answers. And he was actually like, oh, wow. Like I never really thought about that. You know, I kind of just always went in this direction and didn't think of specific things. So it turned out to be a very, very constructive few conversations that were tough. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, like I was, I didn't feel great when he said like, you know, you're jumping into all this stuff that's kind of freaking me out a little bit. And like, I felt a little embarrassed, a little like, oh my God, like, what is this? You know, so there were a lot of emotions in it, but we were honest and we were upfront. And because of that, it was literally a month later, everything was, was totally fine. And we never struggled with that again. So it just goes to show like the power of communication and opening up, even when your ego feels hurt or even when you're, you know, you're embarrassed to share something like just do it because putting that information out there and getting answers from your partner is what's going to make your sex life great. Yeah, I love that part about the communication. And this is somewhat similar to what we were talking about earlier when I said the, uh, the sort of five times rule kind of thing, which is that a lot of times if you just give it a little time and you communicate about it and you come up with strategies that work for both of you, you can eliminate these problems, right? Mm -hmm. and so they don't, they don't necessarily have to plague you throughout the whole thing. And, and think about it, like you said in this particular relationship that this was somebody that you were romantically interested in and you could see potential in the future with, right? So if you see that in this person that you're with, wouldn't you want to put in the time and the effort to figure out what the problem is and figure out a way to, to solve it? Yeah. Exactly. And, and honestly, if the, with the PE partner, since we weren't, I didn't see long-term potential with him. If that was a problem, I probably would have just, um, to be honest, I probably would have felt like, okay, like it's, it's not, 
like I, I'm better off just not addressing it because there's not anything I'm really fully emotionally invested in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just an honest thought that I didn't really think of before, but because this partner with the DE, I was so invested in, I was like, I need to put my ego aside and figure this out. Mm-hmm. And this has to be discussed. Um, and, and, yeah. And I love that because part of the premise of this entire episode is that the woman has an important role in helping with the sexual dysfunction. And so that's kind of where we've gotten to now in the conversation, which is that you know, when you feel emotionally invested in a relationship, you are willing to jump in and do the work and do whatever it takes to help him solve that problem, not only for his own sake, but for your sake and the sake of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think like going back to what I just, what I just said, if my PE partner who is a fuck buddy had brought it up to me and, and mentioned it as like a concern, I would work through it with him. But if it was up to, if like I was feeling something, I probably wouldn't bring it up myself because of the lack of emotional long-term investment. Um, but yeah, I think that more women need to realize, as you're saying, that we we do play a part and it's not just, oh, his problem. Like if we're with someone who we want to have good hot sex with, you know, fuck buddy or long-term relationship, we have a say in, I mean, you know, not that we have a, we, we do have a say in like addressing and having communication around it so that it can improve. Like we can, we have the power to improve it. And I think there's a lot of women who are like, oh, it's not, I, I have nothing to do with that. Oh, ladies, yeah. you have far more power than you realize. You are, <laughs> you are the most powerful sexual being on the planet if you only know how to really harness it and use it. But again, conversation for another day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good comment. (laughs) Uh, One other point I want to make about the uh, delayed ejaculation. You mentioned a couple of times about turn-ons and how his turn-ons were affecting his delayed ejaculation. And the point I wanted to make about that is that one of the things that I see a lot when working with men, because I'm starting to get more and more men show up with delayed ejaculation. It used to be they were all premature ejaculators. Mm. Now, I'm, now I'm starting to see more and more men show up with the delayed ejaculation issue. And what I've started to notice is that there is a component of porn use involved in a lot of Mm -hmm. men who have delayed ejaculation. And and what it comes down to is the porn is hyper-stimulating. And it's all of their fantasies, all the stuff that real women in their lives won't do, all the kinky stuff that, you know, they're even afraid to ask for. You know, the women have exaggerated features, exaggerated actions and motions. Everything is exaggerated. And they train their bodies to be turned on by that. Then they go over to real life. The woman doesn't look like that. She doesn't want to do those same things. She doesn't have those same kinks. And suddenly they don't have the turn on. They don't have the desire there anymore. And so one of the the things that I notice when working with men with delayed ejaculation is we literally have to reprogram their brains to be turned on by actual real life, like real women, Mm -hmm. like real women have wrinkles and they have a little cellulite here or they have a little this or that like that's a real woman right not this crazy fake plastic everything over exaggerated world that we see in porn so yeah 100% and with my DE guys I'll have them do meditation uh masturbation meditations where they're imagining their wife or their partner and for the same purpose, retraining their mind to get turned on by her. And some of them feel very ashamed because they're like, I can't just by thinking of her. Like, I need to think of like other things to keep in my head. And um, and I'll say, all right, well, maybe let's start with porn, then turn off the porn. And I want you to finish it with thinking about your wife or your partner and like slowly train them to like understand what that heightened arousal feels like and then find a way to attach it to their partner um, and bring it back to like a reality state. So, yeah, that, that's a, that's a great exercise. It's very similar to what I do with them. I tell, first of all, I usually tell the man, okay, you need to stop the porn. And then I give them the masturbation practice. And that's the key. I said, you're allowed to, in this case, you're allowed to fantasize, but you're only allowed to fantasize Mm -hmm. if you have a partner about your partner 
or if you don't have a partner, about a previous partner or, or a real person that actually exists that you would want to be your partner. It has to be real. That's, that's the key. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. Got to take a short break uh, for the second sponsor. And then I want to get into dealing with erectile dysfunction. All right. Hey, guys, do you know what makes a man great? You know the kind of masculine man that women are irresistibly attracted to and want. Is it money, job title, his physical body? Is it because he's great in bed, has a big penis, or uses great pickup lines? But what if you don't have those? Or what if you only have some of them? What if you've had a string of failed relationships, are embarrassed by your bedroom skills, doubt whether you can rise to the occasion worry about lasting long enough or are always stuck in the friend zone, then I can help you if you're ready to make big changes and finally become the man you have always wanted to be, then this is the program for you. Go to kevinandceline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. And from there, you can figure out how to schedule a strategy call with me so we can tackle all of these issues and get you to where you want to be. That is kevinandceline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. Link is in the description. Okay, so let's move on to another common male sexual dysfunction. And first question, because every time we we approach a new subject, I have to ask you, have you had an experience with a guy who had erectile dysfunction and could not achieve an erection or had difficulty achieving an erection? Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) You you said that kind of shyly, like, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I had that too, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just feel like, I'm like yes, yes, yes. Well, all right. So I, I want to make a little point here for the people listening. If you're thinking like, God, she must have been with a lot of men to have experienced all these things. No, that's exactly the point is in today's modern world, it is so prevalent that men will experience one of these sexual dysfunctions that... Um, it is not uncommon, even if you've only been with, you know, single digit number of men that you've run into a couple of these. I, my wife and I have a, a friend who's been dating for a number of years. And I remember we were out on a hike one day and uh, we were talking about this subject because, of course, this is what we do, right? And mm. she had told us that four of the last five men that she had dated experienced some form of sexual dysfunction either mostly erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation, or in some cases, both. Mm. Four of the last five men at that time that she had dated. So it's, it's super common, which is why we talk about this so much, because we want to try to help people. So if you're listening over there, or if you're watching on YouTube and you're going, wow, she's really cute and she sleeps with a lot of men. No, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> like it's that prevalent. <laughs> if you just have a normal dating life, and you're a woman, you're likely going to run into this. So I just wanted people to know that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Cause, yeah, Because you seemed like, oh, yeah, damn. <laughs> uh, I don't want to admit that. But. No, I'm definitely not ashamed. I do have a high number. <laughs> but I like, there's no shame in that either. You know, it's just like, it's just funny. You're preaching to the choir here. I don't think there's any shame in it either. We are sexual beings. And as long as we're doing things with integrity and we're communicating and everybody's a willing participant, you practice safe sex, then it's all fair game. So... Exactly. How many? Exactly. But even being, even being that PE affects one out of every three guys, like that's, that's a lot of guys. We don't don't ever talk about that. Right. And that's, that's exactly my point. So, I mean, I was, I was trying to defend your honor and tell everybody you haven't had sex with a lot of men. And then you just went and said, (laughs) actually, I do have a high number. So on like all my podcast episodes, I'm like, I have a pretty high body count. <laughs> I just want to keep integrity. <laughs> but I appreciate you watching my back. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So tell us about your experience with that. So just like the other questions, like, you know, what happened the first time? How did you react to it? How did you handle it in the relationship? Yeah, this happened. Um, it happened every time we had a sexual encounter, which was only about... I think it was about four times. And this was a guy I started dating casually. So just casually dating, like started to like each other, um, maybe like date three or so. I was on date three. I think I made a move. Like I tried to like make it obvious that I was ready to to have a sexual experience with him. And um, whether that be just oral or whatever. And he seemed to 
get out of the situation. I forget what happened, but he definitely like was like, oh, we'll be late for dinner. Let's go. And I was like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> and it was just like, we had time to fool around, you that, know? So I, that's a red flag right there. Cause let me yeah. just tell you something as a guy myself, if I'm dating a woman and I think there's going to be sex, fuck dinner. We can eat tomorrow <laughs> when we wake up. Right. right? <laughs> we will cancel the reservation. We will cancel everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely a red flag. I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of, that's new. That's different. Okay. Um, and then, and then went to dinner and then it wasn't until like the fourth time that we hung out. It was like the next date. Um, I believe I made the move again and it, he was definitely like, he, he just couldn't get hard. It wasn't, wasn't happening. And, oh no, we were, we were kissing and he got hard and I was like, Ooh, I made like some comment, like hoping to lead into like, you know, sex or something. And, um, and he was like, he was like, oh, like, let's, you know, let's go. And we like go to the bed, which is only like a few feet away. And he lost it completely. And I was like, it's okay. We'll get it back. And like, it was just not coming back. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Let's just like hang out. And, you know, I was just trying to keep him as calm as possible because I could only imagine how embarrassed he was. Um, and then, and then it was like, okay, let's, we, we just kind of transitioned it to watching a movie or something. And then date five, um, we, st- we tried hooking up again and the same thing happened. He just couldn't get hard. Um, and then he said, oh, like this, this has been happening recently. Like, I don't know why, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and I didn't want to like dig into conversation yet. Cause I'm like, maybe it's just like a, a thing that's like occasionally happening with him. But then like the next day it happened again. And I was like, have you ever talked to anybody about it or like understood where it could be coming from? And, um, and he said that he hasn't really done anything to seek out help and that there was embarrassment there. And I was like, you know, it could really help. Like it could be really easily, maybe it's just like a really easy treatable thing and you don't have to worry about it anymore. If like, you know, you, you got help from someone and I was trying to like encourage him in the, the kindest, you know, most empathetic way without embarrassing. So I just remember playing this, like felt like I was walking a fine line of like trying to, show that I was still attracted to him, but that like, he should really get help. Cause this is like now affecting our sex life. Um, you know, and I, I couldn't see potential with him if the last, you know, four times we tried to do stuff, he just couldn't like do anything. And he wasn't getting help for it. Like, that's what really bothered me was like, he's not even, he never even went to get help or try to understand it. Um, so that turned into a relationship where we did kind of pull away from each other because, um, I, I think it just became like an issue where there was, there was another issue in the relationship. And then that issue along with this one that he just wasn't deciding on getting help for, it was just, yeah, I just kind of saw him as a, as a man who just didn't take control over things he could control because the other issue pertained to that same concept. So we drifted apart in that regard. So that's how that went down. Yeah. Well, you know, I wish that every man that experiences sexual dysfunction has an opportunity to uh, be with a woman like you, because it's, we discussed this earlier in, in the show, not every woman reacts that way. Yeah. Right? So not every woman approaches it from a place of how can I gently help him without sort of crossing over the line without making him feel bad? How can I show up with empathy? How can I work with him to solve this problem? Not every woman does that. If you're a woman listening again, please, if you, if, if you run into a situation like this, uh, I strongly suggest that that's the way that you handle it. Um, and try not to do any of the, you know, ooh, giggle, laugh, make jokes or shame or any of that kind of stuff. So that's an important part. And so I I really hope that men, if they do experience these things, have that experience. But then the other piece is this, and this is a a really big one, which is that you indicated it was really only a problem for you because he wasn't doing anything about it. And that is really, really important. Guys, you've got to do something about it. Don't just sit there and suffer with it because there's two issues. Number one, ultimately your relationship ended because he couldn't solve it, right? Now, as a sexual being, 
especially somebody with a high body count. (laughs) (laughs) Sex is obviously an important part of your life, as it is for me too. Like I couldn't be with a partner who wasn't sexual, somebody that didn't like having sex all the time and wasn't willing to experiment and be fun and playful on a regular basis because that's who I am. So if I was with somebody who wasn't like that, I would feel very stifled in that relationship, right? So there's that aspect of it, but there's another aspect of it too that you mentioned, and I want to sort of clarify so that men understand because it's really important. So not only was it not necessarily compatible with you because you are a sexual being and that was important to you, but also because it showed something else about his personality that was completely unrelated to sex. And that is, are you the kind of guy that gets shit done, right? Do you take charge? Do you solve problems? Do you make things happen? And look, any feminine woman that's out there wants a man who, who is like that, wants a man who shows up and goes, okay, I got a plan. She doesn't necessarily expect you to be perfect and to actually be able to fix everything. She just wants to know that you're motivated enough to try to do something about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's controlling the controllable. Like he had control to, to reach out and, and talk to someone, but he chose not to, you know, it wasn't like he, you know, they, we all have, yeah, like you have, and plus like these, these concerns are very easily treatable. If you speak to the right person, if it's a psychological, um, cause they're very easily treatable. So when you find the right person, you find the consistency in using a method that works for you. Like he eventually opened up and shared with me the way that he masturbated and that had, in my opinion, a lot to do with why he was experiencing ED. And I was like, that was after we were done dating. I said, can I give you a piece of advice? Just based on, you know, my professional, like what I study, I'm like, that's hurting you. Like that's hurting this whole situation. So like, I would love like for you to check out this article and like read about it yourself, but also it would be really great to like, to, to talk to someone about this because you know, you're training your body to stay in this predicament that you're not happy with. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's there's a ton of stuff when it comes to premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation and uh, erectile dysfunction and other potential things that are habit related, right? They're Mm -hmm. habits, they're bad habits that you put in place unknowingly most of the time, probably started when you were a kid, but that you can control and you can fix. And so that's a lot of what you and I help people do. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there is often for men, a lot of embarrassment around sexual dysfunction. There is, and that can often lead them to not seek help. However, you really need to get over that and just go work with somebody that you're not embarrassed to work with. Like the perfect example is the fact that you and I both do this work professionally, but I'm a man, you're a woman. Now, my wife and I, we used to do that work together as well. And what we would notice is some men would say, I don't really feel comfortable admitting to another man that I'm not really, I don't feel like a man because I can't get it up, right? And so they would want to work with her. And then other men would say, I don't really feel comfortable admitting to a woman that I can't please a woman, so I'd rather work with a man, right? So it doesn't, like, find who you feel comfortable with, whoever that is, and go get help. Go work with them, whether it's me, whether it's you, Stephanie, there's, there's lots of other great people out there, too. Just don't suffer with the problem because you're going to have a string of failed relationships and making excuses and loss of confidence and all that other stuff that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the longer you wait and stay in those having these, those experiences, the stronger that story gets of you're not a good lover and you can never get it up. And you actually start believing that. And if you believe that strongly enough, your body will never, you know, your body will just follow suit, like, and do exactly what those beliefs are, are pretty much instructing you to do. So you have to be really cautious of like, you know, how many experiences have, has, how long has this been going on and how long am I willing to wait until I change the cycle and and reprogram my mind and also my physical habits to, to have the sex that I want because you can have it. And the whole topic of control, the controllable should give you a sense of hope and encouragement that you have control over your treatment. And it is, like we said, it's like easily treatable, these things, when you take control over your treatment. So 
you know, just take that with you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to make the point too, that, that you program in these bad habits, but you can also program in good habits. So rather mm-hmm. than programming in the, I can never get it up and I can never satisfy a woman, you can actually program in, I can always get it up and I'm amazing in bed. Like you can shift it in that other direction too. So that's an important mm-hmm. point to make is that control the controllable, right? We can change what's not working and we can reprogram it to work. So yes, exactly. Okay. Stephanie, I would love to continue examining your sex life because apparently it's fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) We've we've learned a little bit about uh, the fact that you studied kink and you were bringing kink in. There's so much more there to explore. However, we are just about (laughs) out of time for this episode. Um, I have one last question for you, but before I ask it, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners how they can find out more about you if they do want to work with you? Yeah, well, first they can check out my Instagram at Steph Ganowski and also my podcast, What I Love About Sex. Um, and I think that will give them a good idea of you know the the type of coach that I am and they can build a little bit of trust just by absorbing some of that content. And I think they'll know whether or not they want to take the step to coaching. And you can find my one-on-one coaching application in the bio of my Instagram or the bio of whatever podcast episode you choose to listen to. All right. And link will be in the description to her website and her Instagram. So go check out Steph. I was on her podcast. That's how she came to be on my podcast. And it was a ton of fun. It was a great episode. So yeah, go ahead and check her podcast out as well. Okay. I got one last question that uh, you have not seen yet because I did not put it on the list when you asked me (laughs) (laughs) on purpose. (laughs) Have you ever had a sex partner who? (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I have a feeling based on our prior conversation today, how you might answer this, but you might completely surprise me. So I ask this question to all of the guests on the show and it is, what is your best sexual talent? Ooh, wow. Um, <laughs> wow, I never really thought about this. Immediately, I was going to be like, blowjobs. <laughs> See, that's what I thought you were going to say based on what you said earlier with like taking pride in how good you are at it. Yeah, like yeah. But woman. I feel like, uh, I feel like I want, I should come up with a more interesting one that's more like. Well, answer it honestly, whatever, whatever you think is your best sexual talent. I mean, yeah, I would say I would say blowjobs and uh, maybe also being able to um, go into a role play and just like be really serious and into it. Like I took acting in high school, (laughs) so I just like resort. I just jump right back to that, like acting mode. And I just like play the character full out. And that's always really fun and kind of like funny that I could just be like so into it like right away. Um, So yeah, I would say that those two. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. You know, I I asked that question and people always give me one answer, but you know what? You're not limited to one answer. You can have multiple (laughs) best talents. (laughs) And I feel like we should feel that way. We should feel like, oh, I got a bunch, you know, because it it kind of shows our, um, yeah, our, our excitement to... Um, yeah, be, I think if we're willing to, um, to try many things in our sex life, we'll, we'll see that we'll find the things that we're good at and that we enjoy most. And those are usually the things we find, you know, that's where we find our talents. You got to try stuff and you got to explore and have fun with it. Absolutely. Not just in sex, but in life in general, we got to try stuff. We got to experiment, but definitely, definitely in uh, the bedroom when it comes to sex, have fun with it, experiment. My wife and I used to say, try anything at least once. And if it fails horribly, just laugh about it and try something else. (laughs) Exactly. Because that has happened. Like, oh, that really didn't work the way we thought it would work. (laughs) (laughs) And we laugh about it and we move on. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, don't take sex so seriously. It's supposed to be fun and playful and Exactly. I I have a, I have a new slogan that I'm going to be making some uh, merchandise with and it's make sex fun again. 
because mm. too many people take it way too seriously. They get all caught up in their head about it. And it is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be playful. It's supposed to be loving. It's supposed to bring you closer together and create more connection. It's supposed to be wonderful and beautiful in every way. And too many people just aren't experiencing that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love it. It has to do with their reaction. You know, it's like if you react and if you can react to it with just like, okay, like how can I have fun with this, with what just happened, you know, versus the, and that's, that's the pleasure, right? And too many people are pressure focused and we need to be more pleasure focused so that we can actually have fun and laugh things off. Maybe we'll have you back on the show again to explore your sex life a little deeper. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be down. All I right. like sharing these stories. It's fun. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show, being vulnerable, really talking about your experiences. And I think it was really helpful for both men and women to hear about these situations and, and how to handle them when they do arise. Oh, you're welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for for your questions and for just, you know, allowing me to feel safe in this conversation and just have fun with it. It's been great. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode, and I will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.